Good evening, everyone. It's Colt Cruz, and you're listening to the KC of the Movies podcast for the 15th of May, 2019. What's going on? How's everyone doing on this fine Wednesday evening? This fine Wednesday night, I should say. We're nearing the mid. Um, again, yeah, this was supposed to come out uh, uh, last night, but I have some of things come up, so again, I've had to shift it again an- another day forward, but... Um, going to be sticking to a schedule from now on, at least trying to, very hard trying to stick to a schedule from now on, but we'll talk about that uh, later on in the um, in the podcast. This podcast, I've got an early review of John Wick 3 for you guys. We're going to talk about Cold Pursuit as he gets, gets the fuck across town, wine country, and of course, this week's uh, super divisive Game of Thrones episode, The Bells. And I know this is an... Um, you know, this this isn't really much of a TV, but we do talk about some TV. We could start branching into some TV, I think. Um, before I start, how was how was Mother's Day for you guys? Was would you have a did you have a good Mother's Day? Where did you take your mum? Where did you have some breakfast? Go for brunch somewhere nice, somewhere cool. I didn't get to see my uh, my mother till at the end of the uh, to the end of the day, because um, usually my present ends up being a film. And she went and saw a film, The Hustler. I haven't seen that one yet, but... Um, showed her something else. I was... Um, I remember on her birthday, I showed her The Guest. But I just remembered that um, Amy Poehler's film, uh, Wine Country, had come out on Netflix about two days ago. So we, we sat down, cracked some chocolate up, and a bit of, bit of uh, drink, and watched Wine Country. And I must say, it's, it's a pretty... Um, it was a pleasant surprise. I thought it was going to be... Um, you know, not outrageously funny, but at points I did laugh a lot, and so did Mum. Um, it's the perfect film for Mums, I must say. Perfect film for Mums, uh, especially a person like Mum. That kind of film. Um, it's, a, it's about a group of friends that want to celebrate their friend's fiftieth birthday. So what they do is they take it to Napa Valley, which is you know, guys, you guys know all the you know all the wine is and everything like that, and they pretty much get pissed all those days, and um, some problems arise. Uh, one, of, one of the um, iconic quotes from the film is, um, can I offer you some feedback? <laughs> uh, that comes up a lot. Or can I just say something? That comes up a lot. And, um, you know, it's it's about these group of friends trying to work out that, you know, get, get past the differences. I'm sure, they may have a few gripes of each other. Um, you might see in the trailer, Amy Paul says, sometimes I want to sh- tell us when to shut the fuck up. But, you know, but it's all about love in the end. It's all about the sisterhood that these girls, um, women, I should say, share, even in their 50s. Um, I thought it was a good reflection on on the women that played them as well, especially like Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, Paula Pell, uh, Rachel Dratch. Um, I think the other one, uh, I haven't really seen the other one, Anna Gasteyer, um, anywhere. But um, she was she was funny in the movie too, and most Barbie as well. And I I, I kind of thought it was like the women version of This Is the End because they kind of play themselves, but very exaggerated version of themselves. And uh, I think I thought it was a pleasant ride. It's um, I know it, they put it out in the cinemas, but I didn't think it would fare well since we're just getting Detective Pikachu like that week, and then we're coming off the heels of Endgame. So I didn't think it would fare well in cinemas. But it's also available on Netflix, so I think it's, Netflix is the perfect platform for it. So if you want to check out Wine Country, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty funny movie. Um, good laughs in it. You've also got Tina Fey and Jason Schwartzman in it as well, who are fantastic. Um, crack it on, uh, maybe get mum or, you know, 
someone who likes those kind of films, I guess. It's, it's, it's a bit of a Nen film as well, I must say. It's also directed by Amy Poehler and written by Emily Spivey. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was an, a nice, pleasant watch. I check it on. I didn't think it was a waste of time at all. Um, and then uh, last night, I, um, I watched Cold Pursuit and Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town. I watched Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town um, after Cold Pursuit. That's a mouthful, that last one. <laughs> Uh, but I watched Cold Pursuit finally last night, and um, that also was a, a pleasant surprise. Um, the trailer makes it seem like it was a bit of an action film set in the snow um, in um, Kehoe, near um, Denver, Colorado. But um, I thought it was more of a dark comedy when I watched it. Um, I, you know, don't, go, don't watch the trailer and think this is going to be a full-on action movie. See Liam Neeson and just think this is going to be a full-on action film. I thought it was a bit, bit more of a dark comedy. Had some good laughs in it, some very over-the-top characters and some very, very funny kills. It's also pretty creative and clever with how it does a few things and choices it makes. And another kind of pleasant surprise, I think, for myself. Um, a bit of a quick review there for you guys, but I thought it was very... Um, I thought it was very effective, and it definitely wasn't a waste of time. Um, so if you want to check that out, I think that's also on... I mean, you can rent that on Apple at the moment, and you can rent it on Amazon Prime. And check that out. Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town is um, directed by oh, Christian Paperniak? Paperniak? Oh my god, I'm gonna fuck that. I'm fucking that up, aren't I? And it's all, it's about a uh, woman who's played by Mackenzie Davis, who's all, always brilliant. Always, always great to watch. Um, she plays a woman who is pretty much at the, you know, end of her, end of the line, I guess, I guess. And uh, she has to find her way across Los Angeles to crash her ex-boyfriend's engagement party. And uh, this one was a bit of a... Um, I gotta say, this one was a bit of a... Uh, it, was go- it was going somewhere, and then it kind of uh, meanders for a bit, and then it goes back somewhere, and then it kind of loses me at the end. So I got a bit of kind of mixed feelings on this one. Um, I thought it was a decent road story with some really weird characters, kooky characters. You've got some pretty big names in this one. Um, I wouldn't say big names, but like names that you'd know, uh, like Keith Stanfield is in in, in in this movie for like the first, I guess, 10 minutes. Um, Brandon T. Jackson is in this. Eli Shawkett's in this. Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Um, buddy, what's her name? Um, Sarah Goldberg from um, Barry is in this. Kyle Kinane's in this. There's some big names. Carrie Coon. Some, uh, you know, some well-known names, but I just thought the uh, film kind of loses its steam in the middle, and then it kind of, at the end, I thought the end just, it kind of ruined it for me, the end, I think. I, I, th- I think it's because I've seen it before, but also I was just like, I was just trying to think, um, I was just, I don't know, I was, it could have, it, I feel like I could have ended at a certain point before it actually ended. Um, I would have ended it earlier, I must say, even though the film only goes for about an hour and 26 minutes. But, um, well, an hour and 23 minutes, but plus credits. But, um, it doesn't, doesn't like feel like long, but yeah, it just, uh, I just thought I would have ended it a bit sooner and have, instead of tacking on that bit at the end, um, I get the message it's kind of giving at the end, but I just, I just didn't think it was, um, I don't think it was needed. I, I thought, I thought I could have, at the end, it could have been a bit better than that, but, um, I thought it was still a fun watch until then. It does, it, I wouldn't say it's a waste of time, but, um, you, you get a nice performance out of Mackenzie Davis though. 
and uh, you know she's always great to watch. I can't wait to see her again. Um, I think her next one is um, uh, what's her next one? She was in a big. She's coming up in a big one, I think. Yeah, the Terminator, the new Terminator film, Dark Fate, Terminator Dark Fate. But uh, you guys will probably know her from. Um, she was like the uh, prostitute from Blade Runner twenty forty nine, who um, Kay has to have sex with, but also has to like have sex with her to be with. Um, uh, Joy. Uh, you also you also might know her from the San Junipero episode from Black Mirror, which is like one of the best episodes of that show anyway. Um, but I, I first saw her in um, What If, and she played Nicole, uh, Adam's crazy, like the crazy girlfriend that Adam... I wasn't crazy in a good way, I wouldn't say insane, but like, you know, fun, um, bubbly, like, you know, it's very spontaneous girl. Um, that Adam, who uh, I think it's... Um, uh, Wallace's, who's played by Daniel Radcliffe, his um, roommate. No, it's not Adam. It's um, Alan. Sorry, Alan. Um, his girlfriend that he eventually marries in the film. Spoiler alert. Sorry. And uh, she was always she's she's a very um, she's a she's a presence in the film. I'll say that she's much of a presence. But then I enjoyed her again in that Freaks of Nature. And that wasn't really well received by a lot of people, but I still really enjoyed her in that film, Freaks of Nature. Who was that was originally called Kitchen Sink. Fun fact. Um, but she was, I thought she was really good in that too. Um, just as a vampire, very cool. <laughs> and so those are those. So, because I wanted to kind of work up to, um, this little review here of John Wick 3. Um, this is, this is the third film in this franchise. Um, it's, it's titled John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Parabellum, which means prepare for war. Um, in Latin, I believe. Um, if you want peace, prepare for war, I think it is, the whole thing. Um, which is, um, you know, said in the film. So, um, how I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, kind of explain this for people that are new to the John Wick franchise, but also kind of explain it in a way that, like, where, where you left off in the second one, that you'll, like, I want to get you guys ready for this one. Uh, let me just say that, um, if you don't know what John Wick is, if you don't know who John Wick is, so John Wick is a franchise that was started by it was, it's now a franchise now with uh, you know three films now I think we, we call it a trilogy but I know they're going to go for a fourth one. Um, it was started by David Leach and Chad Stahelski, who you guys would know from um, David Leach did Deadpool two uh, after he branched off from number one and Chad Stahelski did number two um, John Wick chapter two, and they used to be stuntmen and turned directors. And uh, in 2014, they made this good little gem named John Wick. And it starred uh, Keanu Reeves. And it was about a guy that had a... He was as a grieving husband because of uh, losing his wife. And um, he gets a puppy given to him that is supposed to be a, uh, item for, a reminder of his wife. And um, his house is broken into and his puppy is unfortunately killed. And the whole film is about him seeking revenge for everyone who killed this puppy. And um, as we find out from him in this film, it wasn't just a puppy. So, um, so he pretty much it's, it's a pretty much a really good revenge film with a lot of great action, a lot of in-camera stunts, and uh, very precise gunplay and gun fu as it's um, popularized now. And uh, that was the first one. A lot of, lot of, and it was a very straightforward story, very straightforward plot, and a lot of great tight action. And um, it only ran for about, uh, about 96 minutes or something. 
and then we got chapter two um, in, uh, I believe it was 2016, we got ch 2017, we got chapter two, um, which was only directed by Chad Stahelski, and again, written by um, Derek Holstad, starring Keanu Reeves, um, and this time, his car was um, taken, and um, a bounty's been put on him, so what happens in the second one, he is, this is a bit of a, this is now turning into a bit of a recap, which you can actually watch on YouTube, and Keanu Reeves has a recap on YouTube, he talks about all these films. So, uh, he gets a, um, from the high table, so, the organization he works for is called the Continental, it's kind of a hotel where you go into there, and it's full of assassins from around the world, and they check in, and they use code names, and all that different stuff, it's really cool, uh, wordplay. <laughs> And um, he is an assassin who is pretty much one of the best assassins from the Continental. They call him the Boogeyman, Baba Yaga, because he is like to be very feared by a lot of people. And I, I like how he has that moniker, but gonna, it shows how much of a badass this character is. How much of a character... You don't want to fuck with this character, pretty much. You don't want to piss him off, because he's, he's going to come for you. And Keanu Reeves expresses that very, very well in, um, in both of these films and number three, which I'll get to in a minute. So in the second one, his car is taken, and then he's asked by a member of the high table named Santino to put a hit on another member. And uh, before he does that, she kills herself, and then a um, the guy Santino puts a hit on him, and then what happens is, um, yeah, I won't say what happens. <laughs> so if things escalate. And, um, oh man, it's really hard to do this without doing it. I'll have to do it. So spoilers for John Wick 2. I'm sorry about this. Spoilers for John Wick 2. He puts the hit, Santino puts the hit on him after he fails to execute the other person. And then John Wick kills Santino on continental grounds, which is illegal and not part of the code of the continental. And because of that, he is excommunicado, which means he is exiled from everywhere from the Continental, and a hit, in a $14 million hit, I'm pretty sure, is put on him by all assassins in the world that have to chase him, and that leads us into Chapter 3. So, I hope you get the rundown there for what happens there. I'm sorry to spoil it, but I just have to, I, I feel like I have to to talk about Number 3, but I want to talk about everything in Number 3, because I don't want to spoil Number 3 for you guys. So, Number 3 pretty much carries on from the first one. Um, John Wick is excommunicado, and all assassins are out to get him. Uh, the first half an hour is pretty much them trying to find him. And um, pretty much going for all, like, a lot of brutal fights, encounters. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The first half an hour is insane. It is absolutely... It's, it involves things I have never, ever seen before in an action film. Um, whether it be environment, uh, the, the creative use of environment, or objects used, or anything like that. Uh, I thought it was incredible, and Keanu Reeves is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of great hand-to-hand -hand combat here. Um, I'll just say there's a knife fight that you just don't want to look away from. You do not want to look, look away from, but it's more than that. It's not just a knife fight. It's more than that, and holy shit, is it entertaining. Um, it's, it's, you, you, won't, you won't get a chance to breathe during this first 20 minutes. You will not get a chance to breathe. You won't. Um, so I love that. I love the action. Again, I just I loved the action of um, of these of these uh, you know of the, these, um, of this franchise, especially all these films. 
Um, whereas number one is like pretty much, you know, a very simple plot with a lot of action. Number two delves more into the, you know, the lore and everything of the Continental and more rules of it and, and how it all plays out. Number three does delve into more of that, um, into more rules of the Continental and, and the code over it more and everything like that. It can feel like it does get bogged down in that story a bit and wants to return to the action, but because I love this lore of the Continental and everything like like that so much, and the hotel and uh, and all the rules surrounding it all, I'm really into that stuff, so I didn't really mind those kind of extra minutes that was dedicated to explaining all that stuff. But um, I know that most... Well, if not, yeah, most people are going to be kind of annoyed by... I've already seen reviews that are already annoyed by that story stuff being just chucked in there. Uh, My only grasp would be just a couple of necessary scenes, and um, Halle Berry does a bit of overacting, I think. I thought her character... I liked her character, Sophia. Loved her dogs. Loved her dogs. Uh, By the way, you get a lot more dogs in this movie. You get a lot more dogs, and it's so good. (laughs) Um, especially a person that loves dogs. Like I was in a screening, cause I was in an early screening on Monday where every single time, like something, either a dog was on screen or an action scene was on. So the action scene would be like, Oh shit. Like that. Like, or everyone, like everyone reacting to it. And then you got someone playing with a dog or if a dog was pat, everyone would go, Oh, like all to the dog. And it would, it was great. It, I, th- I thought it was a, a great crowd. Uh, minus someone in front of me that was talking, like, not the whole film, but asking really stupid questions if he wasn't paying attention. If he was paying attention, he would fucking know what he was seeing. But, uh, he was asking too many questions. It was really fucking, it was annoying. But he was really it. The whole crowd I was with was very energetic and very in tune with the film. Um, so that was good. Make sure you see it with a crowd like that, because everyone reacting like that just makes the film much, that much more exciting. Um, but yeah, it's just, again, I have to, I have to just go back to the action. It's, it's just, it's so much more of it, but in a way where you get, we're in, we're in, we're in the third film of the franchise. We do expect more action and you, you know, director says, oh, well, this one's going to be bigger and better and more things are going to happen. And usually when you do get that, you know, you, um, you're kind of just thinking, well, all right. Uh, like, I'm ready for that, but like, how's that going to be delivered? And how's it going to, like, you know, play out? Um, I must say that, like, every time we have gotten a film in this franchise, the action has been bigger, but it's always been character-driven action. It's always been, you know, playing off, like, the motivation of Wick, of John Wick, what he has to do. He always He's always thinking of um, Helene, I think her name is, or his wife. Uh, Helen, Helen or Helene, I forget her name, but... He's always thinking of his wife. He's always out. He's always got that that kind of thought of redemption in his head, where it was the car, the puppy in the first one, the car in his in the second one, and his life pretty much in this one. His whole reputation and life is on the line in number three. Um, Keanu Reeves just plays him with such um, emotion, and, and there's so much vulnerability to his character. You, you can feel like he was going he's going to die in any second. Whereas you go from the Die Hard franchise to about number five, when it looks like Bruce Willis is a fucking wrecking machine and, and invincible to everything that comes to him. John Wick in all of these films feels like he could go at any second. The fighting is, it's re, it feels real, it's sloppy, it's all in camera, which is one of my favorite things about this franchise. It's all in camera. There's minimal cuts. And, it, you know, it feels real because mistakes are made, but they're also, it, it makes the stakes much more... Uh, you know, important. 
Um, but again, I'm going to give it to Stahelski for his direction. He does it so well. Um, it looks like they're setting up for a fourth one. So, yeah, bring it on. I won't tell you what happens to bring it on, bring on the fourth one, but it looks like they are. But uh, what I've got to say is it's... It's just everything you, everything a John Wick fan wants and more. Like you might get bogged down by the story a little bit, um, but I got to say it's it's everything you want and more. Um, you've got again, like I must say, you've got uh, Lawrence Fishburne coming back as the um, Bowery King. You have um, Ian Machine coming back as Winston, who's the manager of the Continental in New York, and you've got uh, Lance Reddick again coming back as the concierge, the uh, very soft-spoken concierge, very polite, very polite dude. Um, so in this one, you're going to get more fights, but you're definitely going to get more about the Continental and the lore of everything and, and how this, uh, the high table, especially how the high table works and what, um, what, con what actions, uh, what consequences come with what actions pretty much. So if you love the first two, you're really going to enjoy this one. Um, as I said, you know. You you might get see a bit too much there of the story or the of or the lore of all, and um, I just didn't like. There's a certain scene where Halle Berry is just it's just a little too much, uh, but it's got everything you want plus plus even more, and it's all character driven. It's it's not just action for the sake of action. It's all to do with the plot and the character of the story. So I feel it was another welcome addition to just I, I, the first word I came out of this film I was just was just awesome like we have an awesome awesome franchise on our hands and um, what whatever they're gonna do to the fourth one I don't know what they're gonna do are they gonna I don't know what they're gonna do to top the action in this one because uh, as I said the first half an hour is just insane it's like you, you have to think like what are they doing <laughs> this is like Tom Cruise level of gonna kill themselves Um but it just makes it that much more entertaining. Ah, gripping, edge of your seat, excitement. Um, so that's what I say for John Wick uh, Chapter Three Parabellum, guys. It comes out tomorrow. It comes out tomorrow. You better go get your seat if you're a big fan of this franchise. You better get your seat and sit down. You bloody love it. It's some good shit. So um, yeah, that's all I've really got to say in the films. Um, before I get to um, I've got to talk about this. Uh, I know it's been talked about a lot already and, you know, people are pissed off and they don't really want other people to talk about it because they're getting sick of it. But I just want to put my two cents in. Um, we've got to talk about this Game of Thrones episode. Uh, it's called The Bells. It's episode five of season eight, which is the uh, last season of Game of Thrones. This is the penultimate episode of the series. And uh, people are pissed. People are saying, this is the lowest rated episode on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment. And on IMDb, it's 6.3 on IMDb. 6.3 on IMDb. I just, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how that is... It's, it could be that low. And you've got even filler episodes. What I, feel of, what I feel sometimes are a bit of filler episodes in Game of Thrones. And their ratings are sitting in the 7s and the 8s. And there's so much happening in this episode. And we, we'll get to it in a second. There's so much happening in this episode that I don't think this really warrants a very, very, very low rating. This is the lowest rating of the series right now. And Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't really go much of Rotten Tomatoes. But I just want to... I'm just putting that as a um, example, I guess, of what... Um, of the general consensus of this episode. 
but um, I loved it. Personally, I loved the episode. Um, I thought it was one of the best episodes of the series. And um, the best episode of season eight so far. Um, better than episode three. Yes, better than episode three. Um, I, I honestly, I just loved it. And um, I loved the... I love the turn of Daenerys, and if guys, if you didn't, if you didn't see that coming, if you didn't see the turn of Daenerys becoming the Mad Queen, well, as Ramsay said, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, this has been really, I feel this is this has been telegraphed the whole of season eight, and throughout the whole series, she has done unspeakable things to pretty much cement herself in that kind of place, that that royal place. Um, she's, she's done, I mean, she, she, I mean, murdered a lot of people, crucified a lot of people, burnt alive a lot of people, uh, whether it be good, there are some bad, sorry, there are some bad, um, some of them are good, and she's just done it the way, I mean, even in season seven, she just burnt the Talies down, I mean, they didn't bend their knee, but she just burnt them, she didn't bend the knee, she, she burnt them. And um, in season eight, because of all the trust she's losing of a lot of people, I mean, the people of Westeros are definitely on John's side, and they really want to, um, you know, they much prefer him. She even says that in the episode. More of these people love you. You saw, you saw her at the table in episode four. Everyone's loving John. Everyone's talking about how he, how he did in, um, how he did in, uh, in episode, in episode three, which is the Long Night. How he did with the Night King, even though Arya killed the Night King, but you know how. What did, he, what did he do? <laughs> he killed a couple of whites. There we go. Um, but he was very brave on um, Rhaegal. And then you've got Daenerys just like stewing in the table in front of her um, coffee cup. Uh, which was later erased. If you watch the episode again, it was uh, later erased. And then there's another blunder in this episode with uh, Jamie's hand in the back. Um, and then I went back and watched it, and yeah, it's it's there. His hand's there. So, uh, just, you know, just another continuity mistake. It's really weird that people are noticing some continuity mistakes in this latest season than, um, you know, than before. But, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just got to say, this episode, I, I liked the war scenes. I liked how, you know, you didn't know who was the good guy or the bad guy. It was very, you know, it was a very... Um, Obviously, it was a very one-sided battle um, from, you know, the other side towards, you know, the King's people of King's Landing. But, uh, I, you know, I just liked how the lines were blurred. I'll say that. The lines were blurred because you didn't know who, who was the good guys, who was the bad guys. At one point, you see Lannisters kind of, you know, bring people into shelter and, like, kind of bring them away. And then you see Northerners killing people. you got that scene where Jon stops that Northerner from raping that woman. Because it's a siege, it's a fallen siege. People rape and pillage. Uh, so and but uh, and then Ron even um Ron, <laughs> John even has to um, you know, stop that, stop his own men, kill his own men, to stop that. And he eventually brings them back, and and as soon as he um him and Davos, uh bring them, bring them back, uh make them fall back because of what Danny has done. She's burnt all of the people in King's Landing, innocent. Nine and ba women, children, just fucked. They're gone. See you later. Um, and uh, there's also articles going around. This is a sexist issue. 
how this is extremely sexist of the writers and the creators and the showrunners to you know make do this to Danny. Um, I, I don't know. That's just that's that. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's just ridiculous to think that um, we've had so much. We've, we've had a lot of powerful females on the show that have you know. Look at Sansa Stark. She is. She has gone from being just this little as a little bird, as she would say. She's gone from that, dealing with all the shit she dealt with in King's Landing with Joffrey, all the psychological torture from these the two men, jo- Joffrey Baratheon and Ramsay Bolton. She's been fucking raped, and I'm not saying that that is going to make her more of a um, you know. It's like uh, that film Revenge where she rises from the ashes of the Phoenix. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a tangent, but. I'm not saying that that makes her the hero. I'm just saying that the, everything she's gone through builds her to that point. She says it in that episode, and I know people took, and there's heaps of people online that took Umbridge State out as well, but she says in an episode, if she wasn't didn't go through all of those things, she wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be Lady of Winterfell. She wouldn't be pretty much Lady and then, like, Queen of the North, as if, um, um, at the moment, she pretty much is. Um since she's one of the last remaining Starks, and I don't think... We, we're losing houses by the episode. We've lost the Mormons, we now we've lost the... When we still get the Baratheons, um, but we've now lost the... Uh, uh, the fucking... Um, gra- uh, no, the graduates are still alive. I oh, forget, I forget, sorry. Bit of a mind blank there, sorry about that. Um, but I'm just going to say that, you know... Love the episode. I think the you know you have your criticism and everything like that, but like I just I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that David and Dan are like the worst people in the world, and like they shouldn't be allowed to handle anything because of the conversation at the moment is that they're going to handle the new Star Wars films after the last. I mean the fucking rise of whatever. I I don't I don't like Star Wars, so I don't really know what it is. Um, something Skywalker. I, I, I don't know. But they're handling those films after that, which is, you know, a pretty, a pretty poor announcement to make after, like, what is now the lowest rated episodes of Game of Thrones um, on certain platforms and the most divisive. So, you know, a, a, kind of a bad time to release that, but, you know, do it on your own terms, I guess. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to go, go as far as to say that they don't deserve to do anything or... Because I've got, I've just been seeing just so much vitriol online, and uh, you know, this is the last I'm going to say about it because I don't want to, I don't want to fucking talk about it again. I've seen lots of videos already about it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to see it. So I just went off on my two cents. I love the episode. Can't wait to do see what they do next with the series finale, guys. It's the last, it's the last episode. Oh, I've got the Thrones next week. Can't believe it. Um, going to be another hour and twenty minutes, I believe. Um, we got there. Okay, what, what I will say is, yes, I will agree that the season has been rushed. I will say, I will say, I will say that. I will say that we did, I think we did need about 10 episodes. But, I mean, it was up to David and Dan. They were asked by HBO if they wanted to do it, and they said no. They wanted to finish it in 13 episodes after season 6. So, I mean, that's up to them. But I'm fine with what they're given so far. I'm happy with it. I'm enjoying it. I hope there's other people on my side as well that are enjoying it as well, and we can't all wait for a season, the season finale. You guys are going to watch the season finale anyway. Don't be, don't be fucking kidding yourselves. 
People that are complaining, don't be fucking kidding yourselves. You're going to watch the season finale anyway. And you may not be happy with it. I mean, we'll, we've got to see what happens. We've still got another 90 minutes to go. So but we'll see how this all wraps up. Um, in terms of predictions, I'm thinking John's going to kill Danny next week. Um... I reckon we'll probably get a scene where Arya, because it looks like Arya's putting Danny on her list now. Uh, she was supposed to kill a queen or she shut green eyes. And uh, now she's not, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be Cersei's eyes, obviously. So she's going to shut some green eyes. She could kill, attempt to kill Danny, but then, like, I think Danny will try to kill Arya and then John will save Arya and then kill Danny. And then that's when John whether he likes it or not, I mean, oh man, I mean, at, at this point, anyone could be put on the Iron Throne, anyone, like anyone, any of these main characters, wouldn't it be weird if we saw Davos on there, the old, the old onion knight, the onion king of the seven kingdoms, <laughs> um, um, people, people want Arya on there, people want Sansa on there, um, but, you know, I've got a feeling they're gonna go, I've got a, just a weird, a little tingle, a little tingle in me neck. But they're going to go with uh, John, I think, and put him on the throne. And then have... What I would like to see is Davos as his hand. Davos Seaworth. Imagine that. Davos Seaworth as the hand of the king. I'd love it. I just fucking love it. Um, we might even lose Tyrion next episode because Danny said to Tyrion that, you know, the this um, the next time you fail will be the last time. So we don't know... You know, what could happen there? Um, Tyrion might even, might even want to fucking look at her after what she did to King's Landing. After he what you know, what he said, he said it was going to ring the bells and stop when you ring the bells. Stop when you hear the bells. And then she's like, nah. Nah, 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 nah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn them all. Dracara's bitch. I'm going to burn them all. Um, all that stuff she's gone through. i got to praise, also got to praise before I sign off here. Uh, Amelia Clark's acting. Oh my god. It was one of her best performances I've, I've, I've ever seen in this episode. She was so... She, it was so... Interesting to watch and just so... I don't want to use the word juicy. That's a weird word to use, isn't it? Um, encapsulating to watch her face just change from... Kind of slight horror to then... Just turning it and turning it and turning it all the way to just I guess anger frustration and then you know she wants she decides to make it as um if you saw the inside of the episode afterwards DB Weiss says that in that moment that's when she makes it personal that's when she makes it personal and I don't believe people are saying that she made it personal when she she fucked off when John said um John turned her down and then she said let it be fear then but I feel like it's been like every single there's been a lot of moments leading up to that. She lost Jorah. She lost Masande. Masande was fucking decapitated in front of her. You saw her face at the end of episode four. And then that was the last straw. I wouldn't say John was the only reason she did it. I thought, I reckon John was the last straw there. And now she has no one to trust. She, and everything. She looks at that red keep and then everything that has brought her down. And everything that has been the product of her, I guess, fail and destruction. Um, failure, I should say. And uh, everything she's lost. 
was that symbol there, the red keep. And she, I thought she was going to go go for that, but then she just thinks, no, nah, let it be fear. Burn all these motherfuckers. So that's what happens when you, uh, I guess, when you want to you feel the, fu- the full fury of the Mad Queen Daenerys Targaryen. Um, and to me, it doesn't lower her character. I still like her character. Um, people even like Cersei for fuck's sake, and she did a lot of fucking fucked up shit. So, um, no, I still like her character. Um, she's still one of my favorites. So I'll be interested to see what happens next episode, and um, I don't know what it's going to be called. I always like to guess the names of the episode, because I thought this episode was going to be called The Last War, because of everything, how she kept saying The Last War. Um, the Long Nine has been said before, so that's why they called The Long Nine, and then you've got the... Um, uh, what was the fucking episode? Uh, Last of the Starks was episode four. And then I thought it was going to be called The Last War, but then they called this the Bell... Appropriately, I, I, I've appropriately called this the bells which is good so um yeah i'm looking forward to the next episode it's gonna be fun and i'm gonna be all moved into my new place by then and um sipping a nice cocktail game of thrones cocktail might we might uh, go fiend's cocktails here and um enjoy the last 90 minutes of this wonderful brilliant show uh one of the best tv shows i've ever seen I can't wait for that. Guys, before I sign off here, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this um, podcast. Um, you know, Wine Country's on Netflix now. You can go watch that. Cold Pursuit on Amazon Prime and um, Apple. And uh, you can go watch Izzy, Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town. I recommend it for those kind of, you know, those that um, the majority of the film. I just think the, the end falters. Um, and, and tomorrow, guys, John Wick 3, Parabellum, comes out in cinemas. Tomorrow, the 16th of May. Go and see John Wick 3. If you love the first two, you better go go see this one. This one's going to light your dick on fire. <laughs> oh, put a fire out. Uh, we'll go, both. We'll, go uh, we'll, we'll serve all people here. We're going to lie a fighter in your ass. There you go. Um, you're going to have a, you're gonna have a great time. And um, who else loves Game of Thrones? If you, um, you know, single away, send a question if you want to um, love Game of Thrones. We'll be talking about it next week as well, so don't worry about that. Um, also this week, I'll be, I'll be giving a, um, doing a podcast on everything I watched in April. It's a bit late, but uh, better, to let, let, better late than never. I've got a list ready to go there. And um, I'll be talking about, there's, there's a few films I saw there. Um, I think I saw a lot more than March. So I'll be talking about a few films there. But I've also got, I've also got films in that um, uh, in that month that I've already talked about. Endgame, for example, I did a whole fucking podcast on. Almost three hours on it. So I won't be talking about Endgame much. Uh, but I'll just pretty much um, talking to you about a few films there. And a few CV shows that I want to talk about as well in April. Uh, we're near the end of May, so I'll do my May ones soon as well. Um, I'll probably pop up a uh, a um, monthly recommendation up on Instagram as well tomorrow. Um, that's going to be Wildlife. So if you haven't seen Wildlife, I'll be talking about it more on Instagram, and I'll be able to hopefully I'll be able to sell you on the film. Uh, I thought it was a great film, uh, a fantastic directorial debut by Paul Dano. I've talked about it already, uh, but that's also going to be in the April on the April list. Now, that April list is probably going to come out on either Friday or Saturday. I'm looking at that. Um, 
don't think it'll happen tomorrow because I've got some things on tomorrow, but I'm looking at over Friday and Saturday to release that. And also, guys, I'm looking at um, trying my best now to put a schedule to this podcast. So I'm looking at Tuesdays to release the podcast. Um, whether it be a uh, special episode or just a normal episode, looking at Tuesdays and there'll be extra episodes, I guess, on a Thursday or a Friday. Um, if I choose, I need to do, if I, if I feel like I need to do a second episode, um, it'll be Thursday or Friday. And, um, guys, I'm now on Spotify and Apple podcast. I'm on all the bloody shit you want. Uh, I'm still on Castbox as well. Um, but to make it for easy listening, I'm now on Spotify and, and, as of today, on Apple Podcasts, you can go search me up on there, look me up on there, go on Spotify, give me a follow, you can go on Apple Podcast and subscribe. All right, guys, thanks for listening to this podcast, and I will, well, you'll hear me again on uh, either Friday or Saturday. Take it easy.